Hey, what's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Jeremy Scott Fitness Podcast Radio Show. Coming to you on this Friday, January the 21st, 2022. Hopefully it finds you kids staying safe and staying sweaty all at the same time. On today's episode, we have my man, Jonathan Goodman, in the house which we're going to go down a lot of different rabbit holes with him today. But before I jump in, you guys already know the drill. This episode is brought to you by my homies at Athletic Greens. It's the one thing I take every single day. I never miss. If you're somebody who struggles to eat enough fruits and vegetables, and let's be real, most of you guys do, this is an easy way to cover the gaps in your nutrition. You still have to eat real food, obviously, but if you struggle, this is an easy way to cover your bases. Right now, if you guys want to check it out, we can hook you up with a year's supply of free vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first order. The site is athleticgreens.com slash Jeremy Scott to get hooked up. We're talking 75 whole food ingredients, the antioxidant equivalent to like 10 to 12 servings of fruits and vegetables, which... Again, even if I could eat 10 servings of vegetables a day, I'd become like this disgusting fart monster and I would never have sex with my wife and my life would just be miserable. So I eat what I can and I supplement the rest. And if I'm being transparent, I remember in college, like my 21st birthday, I drank like five shots of wild turkey at one time. And if I can do that, I can easily drink athletic greens because it tastes way better than that and it's good for you. So if you guys want to check it out and you're not sure you want to make the investment, Hit us up, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, the contact page on the website, however you can get a hold of us. I'll have Monica send you a free pack right to your front door. I don't care what state, country, province you live in. You can try it for free on me and then get hooked up with all the free stuff from there. Again, the site, athleticgreens.com, so Jeremy Scott, to get all the free stuff or hit us up for a free sample. Now, my man. Wow. It's a lot. That's a lot. That's good. I try. Uh, do you have a worse shot you've ever taken story? A worse shot I've ever taken? I was living in Australia and I, I drank too much whiskey and I couldn't eat, couldn't drink whiskey for another five years or so. I did that with like uh, Captain Morgan as a younger man. Yeah. Where I couldn't even smoke Coca-Cola at the same time. Oh, seriously? It yeah. was that bad? Yeah, no, I've never gross. been that bad. This was, was my birthday. Oh. This was my birthday at the time and I remember I didn't even make it out to the bar that we were going to. I had a couple yeah, of those. Yeah, that was bad. That was bad. So, <laughs> Jonathan Goodman is here. Uh, who are you? What exactly do you do? I can do your fancy intro. Um, you don't need to do the fancy I'm going to put it all in the show notes. But for these guys at home, what is it, what is it exactly you do? Uh, that's a, that's a million-dollar question, man. I am in my third, maybe fourth uh, midlife crisis right now. Nice. Yeah. Been in the fitness industry for 17 years. Uh, personal trained for eight years, got to the point where a lot of trainers get to, you know, needed to make a bit more and a bit less time with a bit better schedule. Uh, started reading up, went to the library, or uh, pulled out books. This is how long ago this was. Yes. And came across a book called Multiple Streams of Income. Somebody named Robert G. Allen. Still have that tattered old yellow book. And, uh, and in that book, it said, you know, sell your information, which this was 2008, infopreneurian is now some people like, yeah, of course you could sell your information on the internet. In 2008, that was not common knowledge. No. And so I decided to write a book for my industry at 24 years old, which um, is a is a really weird, stupid thing for people to do when they're 24 years old. But I was so ignorant. You know, I call it now optimistic ignorance around why I shouldn't have written the book that I wrote the book. And I feel like the, the big lesson in that that I've taken to heart since then is just... I, I feel like so many people know too much about things now 
because information is so abundant that they don't take as much action. They know all of the reasons why they shouldn't or all of the things they should do before they start. Well, really, you don't know fucking anything. Nobody knows fucking anything unless you do something. For a long time. For a long time. You just got to put work out there and, and avoid kind of catastrophic failure. And so, um, you know, I, I every day when I was training clients in the gym, I had a page on the back of my clipboard and I wrote down exactly what I would do. And then I, I went home at night and I typed up in more detail what I did. I picked up garbage. I dealt with this objection. I saw another trainer on the floor who um, was teaching for impro- improperly. I, you know, felt like I was sexually harassed by my client who asked me to go to a fishbowl party. <laughs> nice. Expl- you know, for the audience at home yes. who might not know what a fishbowl party fish is. Party? Yeah. Okay. I'm familiar, which I learned this later in life and it mm-hmm. kind of creeped me out actually. I've never been to a fishbowl party, but I know what they are. A fishbowl party is a party where couples go to and generally what happens is all of the men take off their watches and put it into a fishbowl and then somebody shakes up the fishbowl. And then women go and blindfold and they pull out a watch out of the fishbowl and that's their partner for the evening. It's risky business there. It is. So it is. You got to really uh, feel confident with the other people at the party. So basically you're auditing your day is what you were doing. So I was auditing my day and then I went home and I wrote up, you know, what it, what it was that I did. And that turned into the manuscript for my first ever book, which was Ignite the Fire. Uh, ended up putting out the book and self-published it, you know, needed to figure out every single step, step by step by step by step by step. So, you know, how do you find an editor for a book? What do editors do? I didn't know. I never knew anybody who did a book, but I heard that editors were involved in the process. So I went to the bookstore. I looked at fitness books. I wrote down the names of the authors. I found their websites and I emailed them. Brad Schoenfeld ended up introducing me to Kelly James Anger, who I paid $7,500 to to edit the book. That book, Ignite the Fire, is still the, the top reviewed and still sells like 30, 40, 50 copies a day on Amazon. Thousand plus five-star reviews Yeah, on Amazon. And, um, and it's, it's just been a really, really cool thing. So anyway, since then, um, you know, I'm, I'm not training clients in person anymore. Started a website called the Personal Trainer Development Center. We've had 20 million plus visitors on the website. We've got 1,500 articles on there. Um, 800 different contributors, basically bringing the fitness industry together, all of the, all of the wise people. And, uh, and I created the first ever certification for online fitness. It's been my life in a decade, give or take. It's a lot, dude. There's been a lot. What, um, so what is like the personal trainer development center exactly? What is the goal of it? If, if, uh, coaches are listening right now or people in fitness are interested, they go on the site, what are they looking to do and what are you guys trying to do for them? The goal of the website was always just to say, okay, well, there's, it seems like there's a lot of really, really smart people in our industry that are saying a lot of really smart things in different places. Why don't we just bring that all into one place? And so we aggregated, like I said, there's over 800 different coaches who have written articles for that site. Basically, I, you know, I brought in a lot of the top publishing minds. So at one point I had on staff the previous uh, books editor, fitness editor and editor-in-chief for Rodale Publishing, which was men's health, women's health, prevention, oxygen, all of these things. Yes, sir. So all of these folks were on our staff at one point, um, basically collecting the, the, the information from these top coaches and publishing it on our central platform, right, as opposed to this guy's Instagram account, this girl's website, whatever, uh, and bringing it in one place. And the result now is just this massive collection of just high quality, well-produced information that is vetted. So essentially you like coach coaches in a way. Yeah. Kind of. 
Yeah, I've never actually done anything for general consumers, which is um, interesting. I feel a pull to now. It's it's funny. I've been on this really big journey. Like I never wanted to work on the internet. I never wanted to do anything that I've done. It was never like this big goal. But me neither. Um, but here we are. But here we are. And so you know, I was training clients in a gym in a small boutique gym in Toronto, Canada. I wrote a book. I started a website. Made millions of dollars. Traveled the world for nine years. And at the end of it all, all that I want to do is train clients. And so in the next couple of years, I'm going to start a small little gym and start training clients again. It's like, just, it's the best job in the world. Like an actual, like you're going to do a brick and mortar somewhere, like on your mm -hmm. own? Yeah. Yeah. Get a buddy. I mean, I'll buy the building and, and invite a couple of friends to basically train in there. And, you know, I don't need to make money off of them, pay the rent. And I'll take on some clients too. And. It's just fun. I mean, I, I think training clients, I think fitness industry is the best place to work in the world. And uh, and to be completely honest, I miss it. I've done everything that people, you know, say that they want to do in the industry. And at the end of it all, I want to go back and, you know, work on the ground floor because I miss it. And you're, where's like the home base? Canada? <laughs> Toronto, yeah. 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 So would it be there or? It'd be Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I'll still spend my winters abroad. I mean, I've spent four to six months abroad every year for the last nine years. We'll still we'll still go away for the winter. But. Yeah, we have some people. We have a, a coaching group right now that runs like kind of our flagship online program. Mm -hmm. We have some people in, I think they're in Ontario. Okay. It doesn't look super warm. No. Looks no, pretty gr looks no. pretty gross right now. I'm not a winter in Canada in nine years though. But I I, I do have to go back this year. We're having my second uh, my second child's due in April, so we got to go back in February. It'll okay, be the first uh, the first February. I'm having uh, I'm having in the snow for a while. That'd be, I, that'd be fun, though. I got to buy a jacket. Uh, that'd be tough, <laughs> man. Uh, I agree with you, though, because <laughs> if I could look at the shit show of the last two years and, like, when the world is closed down and we can't do this, mm -hmm. I've said this on here, like, probably no less than 100 times, we made a ton of money, right. which which is super cool. It's the least amount of fun I've had in, really? my, in my entire career. So I tell would, me more about that. I would come here – well, when the world's super weird, at first, like – what are we supposed to do? Yeah. So we plug everybody into all of the online protocols and I'd come here. So it'd either be myself or just myself and my wife and like our camera team. And we would just film content. And that's all my, right. my interaction all day. And I would sit here and go, what are we doing? I'm like, this is it. It's such a, it's a one way transaction where we're, I guess, helping a lot of people. They can hear me. They can watch me. I go, but I'm getting nothing mm -hmm. in return. And so I just show up here every day and just look at a screen and yeah. film videos and talk to a monitor. And I'm like, this can't be what it is, dude. Yeah. So it'd be hard to, like, I can't coach all of the groups and all the people. It's just not physically possible with the responsibilities. I go, but it's still the funnest thing that I do. I still have to do the other shit. Sure. I go, but without that, I'm like, what am I even doing? Yeah. I might as well start real estate or insurance. Like, what the hell? Yeah. I mean, so, so think about my experience for the last 10 years. Which yours is like all... Mine is, is, I mean, I've had unbelievable experiences, right? I've lived in 30 different places. I mean, we spent three months in Montenegro. My wife and my anniversary, our nanny who we had looking after my son uh, living in Montenegro. She's American from Texas, but traveled with us. You know, she looked after my son and my wife and I took a bus down to Albania and hiked in the Albanian Alps for four days, did a mountain pass, stayed in, in sheep herders' houses. That's crazy. And then took a bus back up to Montenegro, like, while I was running my business, you know? So I've had these incredible experiences, uh, but at the same time, I'm basically staring into a screen all 
day, right? Getting none of that physical feedback that you're talking about. And I got into this industry because I craved that. I mean, people people would tell me when they were in the gym that they knew that I was there because they could hear me laughing from outside. Yeah. I don't laugh that hard anymore. Well, shit, that tells you something. So what's, um, was this the plan always? Like no. fitness? What was, was no the... fun. That was no fucking plan. No. <laughs> so how do you, so you're 18 and you're like, you know what, I'm going to do fitness for work or what was the idea? Because this, there's no, there's no avatar to go off of. Like if you're, you know, if your old man, you know, drove a truck, like you mm-hmm. can visualize driving a truck. But when we're 18, 19, 20, there's not a, a 50 year old coach or trainer right. or the retired people to look through. So how does that even come about? I mean, I'm from a middle to upper class Jewish family in suburbia, Toronto. Every adult I ever knew was a lawyer, doctor, dentist, teacher, accountant. Every single one of my friends, every single one has gone on to become a lawyer, doctor, teacher. My, my dad's a, a, a middle management business guy. My mom's a teacher. My brother's a teacher. My sister's a lawyer. My brother's a small business banker. And so, you know, I went through school and like any other 17-year-old going to university, I didn't know what the fuck I was going to do. But I figured I was going to be a doctor because that's what all good Jewish boys do. Yeah. And so I I ended up doing kinesiology in university because that was an undergrad science degree and it didn't matter what it was going to be because I was always going to go on and be a doctor. Yeah. And then I had a free personal training session at the university gym. This is the University of Western Ontario. And, uh, and, and in London, Ontario, which is about two hours west of Toronto. And they gave free personal training sessions. And I had my first one at 17 years old when I was in university. And, and I, I walked out of there. And I said, that looks fun. I could do that. And then I looked at how to become a personal trainer. And I figured you couldn't become one until you were 18. So one week after my 18th birthday, I, I was a personal trainer. And I, I was a trainer at the university gym from second to fourth year. That was how I cut my chops. That was 2005. That's crazy, dude. So 2000, 2004 to 2007, I was studying university. 2005, 2006, 2007, I was training clients in the gym, at the university gym, uh, 20, 25 hours a week and doing weight room maintenance and stuff like that, monitoring. Yeah. And then uh, when I graduated, 2008, I was a personal trainer. And I figured I was going to do that for a couple of years until I went back to school. At that point, my plan had changed to do academia. To do, uh, uh, I, I was really interested in, I'm still interested in, muscle physiology, but particularly old age atrophy and um, satellite cell, you know, maintaining or, or helping decrease the degradation of the satellite cell pool Yeah. Um, and, and therapies around that with old age atrophy. And so I, I was, I had applications in to do like a master's and PhD in that. And I asked one of my clients, this is, this is the point for me. I asked one of my clients who was the associate dean of medicine at the university of Toronto for a recommendation letter for my application. And he looked at me and he goes, you know, John, you're going to be great at whatever you do. Happy to write you a letter if this is what you really want to do. But before I do, you need to tell me why you want to do this. And I can't remember why, because I don't remember ever thinking about, you know, why, why I wanted to do it. But I said, oh, because I want to write a book one day. He just looked at me straight in the eye and goes, so write a fucking book. And don't go out of school just this for is that. The, this is the seventy-year-old associate dean of medicine at the University of Toronto. So, so don't so write a fucking book. And the craziest thing is, um, I would have finished my PhD the year that my first book came out. No shit. How crazy is that? And so basically, he talked you out of it. 
I mean, he didn't talk me out of it, but he, he taught me an important lesson, which is you need to have a damn good reason. Well, especially to do that much work. Yeah. And to go that deep into something if you don't really love doing it. Right. Doesn't make a lot of sense. I mean, he had seen it. He'd been in academia, right? He was, he had seen so many people. I mean, I imagine, I can't put words in his mouth, sorry, Rick, but I, I imagine that he had seen a lot of people go through medical school because they did it to appease their mom and dad or their families. And they weren't really happy and it wasn't the right profession for him. And, and he's not against it. No, but to that game, we have a lot of, there's probably like 17 positions here. And okay. across the board, different disciplines, surgeons, uh, emergency room, anesthesiologists, you name it. These are these are clients? These are people yeah. who work out Yeah, some of them work uh, for the hospital system. Some of them have their own practice. Okay. But to go that deep for most people financially, if you can't afford it, you're chewing on five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars, sometimes even more in debt. And then yeah, you that's get the into, United States. Canada's not. Canada's not. Yeah. But, but yes. You, <laughs> but you think that like you do that and you're like, fuck, dude, I don't. I don't really want to do this anymore. Yeah. You can't really switch gears. Well, I've become, I've become really, really fascinated with, with wealth management and wealth growth because predominantly the psychology behind it, because the psychology behind growing wealth is actually the same as the psychology behind growing your body and the fallacies are the same. 100%. And, and what I find really interesting about that whole conversation is like, well, what's actually a better position to be in? You're, you're 17, 18 years old. You're deciding what to do with your life. Do you go do an apprenticeship and then become, go into some trade, you know, maybe, maybe plumbing, electrician, whatever, some, some sort of a trade. Or do you do an undergrad and then go to university and then become a doctor, let's say. And these are just examples. But um, the apprenticeship, the trade, you're going to make $80,000, $100,000 by the time you're 20. You're going to have no debt, right? If you, if you go in and do medical school by the time, if you go all the way straight through, by the time you're 25, 26, you might be finished. Probably not, but you might be about finished. You're going to be a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt unless your mommy and daddy can help you, which, you know, I would, my parents would have been able to help me. Yeah. And I was, I was fortunate that way. Um, but, but then you got to pay off your debt and then you're making, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars a year and that's growing to maybe half a million a year, let's say. Well, if you actually plug into a compounding interest spreadsheet. Real basic. Real basic at, let's say, 8% compounding. You're young, you're 20 years old, you, as long as you're not an idiot, you can live on 30, 35,000 bucks a year. Easily. And then you're putting 70,000 bucks away at 8% compounding when you're 20 versus let's say 28, 29, you've paid off your debt, then you're starting to invest money. Well, now you're keeping up with the Joneses and all of your doctor buddies. And you're not doing 35 a year. You and you're not doing 35 a year. You've got, you've got an expensive car and an expensive house and you've got expensive shit and you're going out for dinner and you're spending all this money to keep up. Well, you actually, at the end of the day, <laughs> I mean, if, it, dep it depends how you do the math, but this is where finances and wealth, wealth generation is so interesting. You're probably better off financially as the first one if if you if you enjoy being a plumber or a construction worker or whatever it may be like if you like it you enjoy what you're doing and for them they can switch gears where even, but it, even personal training 100 percent. i finished university at 21 and i finished university with no debt which was partially because of my parents and partially because i worked but i was making 80 dollars personal training and i was living on nothing I mean, I was eating, you know, shitty skirt steaks and slow cooking huge stews and whatever it is. 
and putting away money. Well, why do you think I was able to go from 40 hours a week to 25 hours a week to 15 and write a book and start a website and have all that space to do that while the money was growing and, and, and whatnot? It's because I didn't do post-grad. It's, it's just, it, I'm not saying it's right or not right. I'm just saying it's interesting because it all comes down to what you do with your time if you have that time. And, and there's so many unconventional paths. Well, we try to tell these guys here too. Uh, I say live as cheap as you can as long as you can. Yeah. Especially if you can pay it up front. I'm like, because it will pay huge dividends on the backside. But if I, you know, and I'll, I'll go into detail. I don't want to, I don't want to jump ahead because I have a bunch of other questions for you. So <laughs> I'll, I'll come back to that in your watch and everything else. Um, we'll get to it. It's a damn good watch. But so why do you Yours end up? Look, your watch looks expensive. Um, it's actually fake. It's a, it's just a step counter. It looks like an Apple watch, but it's not. It's $29 on Amazon. Yeah. Too rich for my blood, man. Yeah. We're close though. Yeah. What's the Casio? Thirteen ninety nine. Yeah. Could buy two and a half of these for one of those. I know. I just want to do the steps. I was curious. <laughs> we did like a step tracker. I can't do that Apple Watch bullshit. <laughs> I'm too cheap for that. Uh, so why do you end up leaving uh, like the training field? Like you're like, well, I'm training people. It's fun. But like, why do you decide to like bounce and kind of change gears? I don't know. I wish I did. It was so long ago that... I feel like anything that I tell you is going to sound like some sort of rational post-narrative. Yeah. And so at the time, all that I can remember was I was doing it at the same time. And I mean, I don't think I, I never was somebody to take big risks. I mean, I was training still 25, 15 clients a week. You know, I figured out what I needed. I call this my freedom number. I've written about it a bunch of times, but I figured out what I needed to make to hit my bare minimums, you know rent, food, whatever. I was like, as long as I'm making this with my day job, can I consolidate my schedule? Can I free up a whole bunch of time to basically build for the future, read more, that type of thing, develop myself? And so that's what I was doing. So I was, I was training clients basically 15 hours a week. And then in all the remaining times, I was reading a ton. I was writing a ton. I was building the website. I, was, I traveled to New York like seven times in one summer. I was just networking. I was just shaking hands, you know? And... I started to get into the, the blogging community back then and meeting people. And I was like, it seems like there's a lot of people here who are doing okay, but are not kind of breaking through to that next level. And the only common factor that I can identify is none of them are willing to take that quantum leap and take a chance. I don't think it's a time thing. I think it's an energetic thing. And so all that I can remember is, you know, I have an opportunity here to take a shot at this. I don't really know what this is. I think it's worth taking a shot. And so I, at that point, I was already sharing all of my clients with other trainers that I trusted. And, um, and so I, you know, I stepped away completely. None of my clients were surprised, right? And, you know, at that point, I was, I was deep in this world. Everybody knew that I was, I mean, people started, I started being called like, this is how bullshit our industry is. You know, nobody ever saw me train. I started being called one of the 10 best trainers on Live Strong, like all the shit, because I was writing about training on the internet. Yeah. Nobody once came and watched me train, but people started to come into the gym looking for me, you know, as a result of that kind of stuff. And, uh, and so I just decided, I was like, I'll give it a year or two. I'll step away completely. I'll see what I can do if I go all in on this. And then um, it started to go well. Basically ran away to Hawaii to spend six months because I just became jealous and insecure and 
wasn't respecting my girlfriend, who's now my wife at the time, and, and as much as I should. It wasn't, it was respecting her. I wasn't appreciating her as much as I should. And I just didn't like what I was becoming. And I knew that if I stayed in Toronto, I, I, it would have gotten worse. And how so, old are you at the time? It's 23, 24, yeah. no, older, 20, 26. Sounds like a 26 year old dude. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, I, du- we're dudes. We're dumb. Yeah. So I ran away. Um, and, uh, and yeah, man, that was, that was the first winter away. That was in 2013. And, um, and I was just testing it out. And then the next winter away, you know, so I got home and Allison and I started hanging out again and, uh, she finished medical school. She's a naturopathic doctor and she was going to go on a one trip before she became an adult and became a doctor. And so she went to Southeast Asia for the Thailand thing. And my mom gave me the best piece of advice anybody's ever given me, which is if you love this girl, you better get your ass on a plane tomorrow or you're going to lose her. And I was on a plane two days later. No shit. And uh, every winter it was just, well, we can do this again. Well, we can do this again. And it's just kind of, that's your lifestyle. Kind of kept going. And now we've got a four and a half year old with a second child on the way. And we've been doing this with, with Calvin, with my son, but he's approaching grade one, you know? And so what starts to happen there? And I, I don't really know. I feel like, um, I, I, I feel like I'm, I feel like I've done enough that I've realized that being in the gym with clients is actually what I really want to do. It's this old, it's kind of the old like metaphor of the fisherman. Yeah. It's cool to hear because I have not heard that before from a lot of people like in our space like that's probably like if you want to say like you coach coaches there's a lot of them out there like a handful and then there's some dudes i like and some people are like scummy as fuck i don't coach coaches i build systems to coach coaches so but like to want to be back in the gym yeah which is rare yeah because i don't hear that a lot it's the best dude the energy I, i you know what i love most about the gym i'll tell you what it is to me the gym is democratizing. Everybody's equal in the gym. Doesn't matter whether you train all these all these rich doctors and shit, right? Like, doesn't oh, yeah. matter. Doesn't matter how much. Like, you're wearing shitty old shorts and old runners and 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 a crappy you know old t-shirt and you're struggling pushing a prowler or, or lifting weights and you're sweating. Everybody's equal. Where else in the world can some you know idiot eighteen year old? Asked to work in with the CEO of a Fortune 500 company and have the CEO wipe down the bench for him. Nowhere. It's, Think uh, about how beautiful that is. It's the only thing where like, you can't inherit it. You can't Everybody's steal it. Equal. Yeah, it's amazing. Everybody's equal. It's democratizing. It's, it's, it's such a beautiful thing. Everybody is there to get better for themselves for their own reasons. Everybody respects the hell out of one another to be there. You can't, especially in this day and age where there's so much political shit, so much religious shit, so much science and health shit now. I know. I mean, everything's divisive. And then you've got this one space where it's like, you know, everybody there. I mean, I've spent so much time abroad. I've hired trainers in six different countries. And, uh, and it's been a really cool experience. You know, a, a Soviet barbell trainer in Montenegro to... Uh, a jungle, you know, tack fit trainer in Costa Rica to a boxing trainer in Mexico to an endurance athlete trainer in Greece. And like everything, it's, it's super cool and it's expanded my, my repertoire a lot. But like at the same time, man, the amount of places where I've been in the gym, where I don't speak the same language. 
even in Mexico this past year, 7 a.m. every single day, I'm at the gym, Monday to Friday. And, uh, and it's the same group of people in there. They don't speak English. I don't speak Spanish. I speak shitty Spanish. It doesn't matter. We say hi. We say hola. We high five. We can communicate if somebody's using something. And then at the same time in the gym, there was, there was somebody who I got to know really well. Super cool. Um, their name is Jersey, and they're, they're trans. And so uh, when, when Jersey identified as a man, as a black man in the military, jacked, just fucking jacked. Yeah. Right? Well, Jersey is now a female. Or identifies as a female, has gone through surgery and stuff. Nobody gives a shit. People are just there to work out. It's pretty badass. Who cares? I know. Right? I, I just, I don't, there's something so just deep down and ephemeral and beautiful about that. Well, it's that a, I just miss. It's an arena where you wouldn't probably be friends. You wouldn't even notice that person. You wouldn't talk to him. You wouldn't see him. But now you're all in this community together. Right. Which is pretty badass. Right. And fitness does that. There's not a lot of other things I can think that really do that. Even as a, even as a young, I, I tell a lot of young guys and, and, and girls, it's like, man, what job can you get when you're young to give you the biggest leg up when you're older? And I think personal training's up there because when I was 21, 22 years old, I was getting free mentorship 40 hours a week from people who were, like I said, the associate dean of medicine at the university, the chief of psychiatry at one of the major hospitals, the business magnets in the community. Yep. I mean, these people were spending money to spend time with me. And you couldn't pay. I mean, the mentorship you get from stuff like that. When you're young, when you're young, I can't think of a better job to get access to unbelievable guidance and mentorship and friends and network. I don't think there is one. I say this all the time. Like I would not be, well, I don't think I'm that smart, um, but I've learned a lot over the years. And it's because of these guys here because I hang out with them yeah. day after day. People who have ran their own businesses, the physicians, the attorneys, the teachers, the social workers, you name it, to the richest people, to people who can barely afford, honestly, to be here. Right. And I'm like, and it's cool to see, like, I would not know anything about finance if I didn't meet some of these guys 10 years ago. And it's changed the trajectory of my life. So in reality, they've helped me, and I feel, 10 times more than I could help them. Oh, yeah. Which is pretty badass. Oh, I was, the rip-off for them is actually quite funny, but nobody will tell them. They're not listening to this. No, well, I would say, I'm like, <laughs> well, I, and again, like, this is the humbling thing or the thing that I always think is cool. No matter how much money or, or fake famous bullshit will come your way, the fact that I show up here, and these guys are here at five o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Waiting in the parking lot to come in here and they're paying for this shit. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Like I can't like they could do anything in the world. They could be anywhere doing anything and they're choosing to come in here and do these awful workouts with us mm -hmm. before the sun's even up. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. So if we change gears, what is your you mentioned it a little bit. What does your personal uh fitness look like these days? Like what are you into? Training um, training program wise, kind of what's the philosophy, the goal? The philosophy is I can afford to not be the biggest, most shredded guy ever. I can't afford to get hurt. So I've just kind of made a decision that I love to train. I love to work out. I do it in the morning before my family wakes up. So I'll walk out. There's an anytime fitness where I'm staying here in Arizona, for example. You know, I'll get up at 6, drink a coffee. I'll head to the gym and I'll come back when my family's waking up. It makes me better for the day. I'm not cranking it and pushing it 
to the extent that I might otherwise, I just want to train. I just want to get in there and do something every single day. If I'm feeling better, I'll do a bit more. If I'm feeling worse, I'll do a bit less. But um, I don't, I don't push the envelope because I don't want to ever risk getting hurt. It's not that important to me. Because of that, I know that I'm not going to optimize my physique. Nutrition's the same way. For sure. Like, I know what I could look like, and I'm just not willing to do that. And so, I generally always work with trainers. I mean, that's a, that's a lesson in and of itself. You know, I've been in the industry for 17 years. I've sold 250,000 plus educational items to trainers, and I still, own, I still hire personal trainers all the time. And for someone who's listening, who's like, well, why the hell would he do that? Like, if he's been doing this for this long, like, why, why? do you do it? And why would you advise somebody else to do it? Yeah, why I do it is I don't even want to think about it. I want to go into the gym and be told what to do. I've got enough shit to think about over the course of my day. Amen. Um, I always learn something new. Always, always, always. I'm working with Brian Cron right now, if you, if you know Brian. And um, Brian kind of specializes in working with dudes over 40. I mean, I'm not over 40, but I feel like most dudes in their mid-30s could, could probably do well to train as if they were in their 40s. 100%. And... And so he's, he specializes kind of in working with guys who have lifted, you know, most of their lives, who love to lift, and who just, like, want to be bros. Yeah, <laughs> Kind of. But not, not get hurt. So he does an unbelievable job of managing volume, of managing load, of, of, of taking care of your joints. And even just different loading schemes that he's brought on, like muscle reps, for example. I've never done that before, where... Instead of doing, let's say, three sets or four sets or five sets, let's say, of like six to eight or eight to ten or, or, you know, whatever, you work your way up and then you do one set that is basically six mini sets of four to six reps with a 10 second break in between. Okay, yeah, I get it. And so the load isn't anywhere close to as high, but the volume is about the same. Yep. And the intensity is, is as high or higher. So there's less risk. Because the load's not as high, but you know, so and so stuff like that. Where I've never done that before. Seventeen years Crazy. in this industry, twenty plus years in the gym, and I'm still learning something new about how to load. And there's not. It's the same fucking shit. It's you know, you you push, you pull, you're vertical, you're horizontal. Like like there ain't that much more to it. No. Um. And so. So that's why I do it. And and yeah, man. Like four or five days a week. First thing in the morning, or I don't do it. Uh, mobility, soft tissue work, rolling, any of that stuff? Mobility before I train, for sure. Uh, I've got a, I've got a nagging back injury from, from years, years ago. Uh, who knows? I mean, I, I got diagnosed as degenerative disc disease a couple years back, but fucking knows. It's one of those diagnoses I feel like to give to people and they don't know what's going on. True. But, uh, but as long as I, as long as I take care of myself, I feel good. So a lot of, a lot of glute activation work, a lot of anti-rotation work. And then just keeping the hips in order and the back strong and, and I'm good. I'm 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 asymptomatic ninety nine percent of the time. But yeah, not not soft tissue work. I've got a good masseuse back at home, but I don't miss it when I'm away. What uh what about food wise? How do you eat these days? I mean a lot of vegetables. Yeah. The basic <laughs> shit. <laughs> I mean, to me, eating is so bad. I've never, I've never died. But I'm also, I mean, my problem has always been putting on weight, not keeping it off. And so it's never been an issue. I've never done a diet in my life. Um, I did train for a photo shoot once 
years, years, years back when I was living in Hawaii, actually. Because I, I, I made this big list one time of like 97 rules for living. And one of them was get shredded once, take pictures, and never fucking do it again. Yeah. And so... I've heard that from a few people. Yeah. Yeah. So I did that. Um, I went through that whole thing. Man, it is... I mean, I'm looking at this picture of you all shredded to hell on the on the wall. It's like, that must not have been fun. Uh, it's, a different, it's a different life. <laughs> yeah. It's... Uh, <laughs> Well, like we, again, it's personality type too, right? Mm -hmm. Like if it's naturally like what you like to do or what you want to do or who you are, sure. But if it's not like the juice isn't worth the squeeze for most people, yeah. you, you give up way too much for the average person. And like, there's a different, like, obviously like when we do stuff like with men's health or whatever, especially like when Rodale owned them and like, we're on the platform all the time. Mm -hmm. Like that's how we get paid money. Everybody mm -hmm. like they show up and they're like, Hey, Jeremy. And this is, this is the insights analytics. With your shirt on, your videos do 3 million views. With right. your shirt off, they do 19 million. What do you want to do? Well, if that's how my checks are coming in, <laughs> why the fuck would I not do it? So, like, right. I'm willing to go through the pain, but if I work at Wells Fargo or I'm just, like, a real estate agent, why am I going to be that shredded all the time? Right. What's the point? So, right. I get it for sure. Yeah. That's funny. I'm not surprised that it's that much different in, uh, in terms of the views. Yeah, man. And so, uh, what do I do for nutrition? I mean, I basically eat the same shit every single day. I wake up, you know, I go have coffee, I go work out, come back, three eggs, maybe a piece of bacon, a little bit of fruit, have a snack mid-morning, some nuts or something like that, a protein bar. Lunch is always leftovers from what was the night before, which is usually some sort of chili or chicken and veg and rice or whatever. I mean, it's that. Real food? It's, yeah, there's nothing. I don't manage portions. I don't, I don't do any of that. I just try to eat real food as much as possible and... The one rule that we do have in the house is that uh, we don't keep any junk food or candy or anything like that in the house. Same here. But if we want it, we can go out and get it anytime. Both my wife and I. And that just, that works well because then there's no guilt or anything like that. It's just like, if we really want it, we'll go out and get it. You Most of make the time it, we don't really want it. It's not an impulse. You got to make a conscious choice to get sure. up, leave your house, go grab it. Which is, which I do. Yeah. Every so often. Then you know it's worth it. Then you know it's worth it. But if it's in the cabinet or your fridge and it's there, it's like, like it's rough for most people. Yeah. Which uh, becomes more difficult when you have a family. You know, my wife was, my wife's still pregnant, but, but during the first trimester, she had a really, really tough first trimester. She just needed to eat everything in sight, man. I'd, I'd wake up to take a piss in the middle of the night and there's just goldfish just sitting on top of the toilet. You know, <laughs> nice. it was just like food and snacks everywhere. Yeah. And so it was hard because, I mean, obviously she needed to have the stuff in the house. And so I had the stuff in the house. Um, took a lot more self-control and I wasn't great with it, but I also realized it was just a, it was a phase and that's fine. And, you know, now we're back to our normal ways. Uh, supplement wise, you do anything? Yeah. Nothing. I mean, if I'm, if I'm feeling into it, a little bit of creatine, magnesium before bed, if I'm hitting the weights harder. Basic stuff. Nothing else. Sometimes greens, I, especially when I'm traveling. No, it, gets um, it gets tough. Yeah. When I'm traveling, I'm, I'm, I have greens, like like even athletic greens, you know, your sponsor, I'll, I'll pimp them a little bit. You Boom. Know, I was, Chris gave me a bunch of boxes of the travel things at one point. And They're helpful. Those little packages were great traveling, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because, I, I mean, I've spent a lot of time in airports. I've spent a lot of time. I mean, you can go for, go for a week without eating a vegetable. If you're if you're living abroad, I think most Americans do that here. Um, well, maybe. Yeah, a big number of them. Yeah, maybe. More than likely. Yeah. Uh, so if we say that, what's the biggest uh, 
that you've seen and kind of see when you look at the landscape, like the biggest roadblock for the average Joe just to get healthy? Like what's the, the normal person? Like what's the biggest struggle? Just, there's just so much confusing shit. I mean, the, the big fitness marketing machine is the biggest roadblock. They have to keep pretending like there's something magical you don't understand and you can buy for twenty nine ninety nine. And what that does over time is it is it removes people's self-efficacy, the belief that they can actually achieve. They're being told constantly that whatever they're doing is wrong and here's the next best thing. When really the body hasn't changed in any meaningful way in thousands of years. We know how this shit works. Yep. You know, you need to, if you want to lose weight, you got to expend more calories than you, uh, than you take in. Um, over the course of the day, you need to keep moving like, going for walks and building muscle is progressive overload. Like, <laughs> you know, there's, there's nothing really fancy in it, but that can't be sold. And so because of how the money is made in the industry, it results in a lot of confusion amongst the general public, making them think that whatever they're doing is not right. And so there's that lack of belief that they can achieve or belief that they're doing the right thing or, they feel stupid because of what they're doing um, as opposed to just like making a plan, any kind of a plan and just kind of sticking with it. And not program jumping all the time and trying 19 different things in a course of 30 days. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'd be interested to hear what you think about this. Like I, it doesn't have to be the best plan. You just pick a plan and stick to it and it's going to work better than jumping onto a whole bunch of different things. Yeah, that, from, that can be a dangerous statement, but I mean, for most people, in a generalized, uh, if you can move around, like legitimately dedicate thirty minutes, like mm -hmm. three times a week, like three by fifty-two, and like really try do something, the basic movements: push, pull, hip dominant, quad dominant, trunk, total body, all that stuff. Right. Walk on the other days and don't eat like complete shit, mostly you're, real you're food. You're gonna do pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you're in like the ninety-fifth percentile at that point. Agree. Uh, to me, the consistency of doing something is better than just like always jumping and then searching for the perfect thing because there's not a perfect thing. And that changes as you age too and your goals shift and it all moves around for sure. So if I ask yeah. that, is that the biggest challenge in the fitness industry for coaches, professionals, or the industry as a whole? Or what's the biggest issue? For somebody working in the fitness industry? Yeah, or like, like hey, like here's the – like our goal is to make people move better – Right. look better, feel better, all those things. But obviously it's a struggle because mm -hmm. people are not fit right. as a whole. Right. So is that the biggest challenge is that this, the information, it's just, it's basically like a fucking, it's a firehouse and it needs to just be like streamed out right. a little bit more concise, but it's hard to do because as marketers, we ruin everything. Yep. Everything gets, I mean, that's just what we do. How can I make the most money? How can I do this? And I sent out an email today, like Russin put it out about Peloton and I'm not bagging on Peloton. Like it's fine for what it is, but it's a one trick fucking pony, dude. It's 4,000 bucks plus a membership. And the last thing I think the average person needs is to sit on their desk and look at a screen all day, then sit on a fucking bike in the same fucking anterior rotation and then watch a screen. Yeah. I don't think that solves the problem. It didn't <laughs> do it. We're not any fitter. You I know, mean, let me ask you, let me ask you this. What would you prefer? Inexpensive and effective weights or an expensive or ineffective bike? I mean, <laughs> bro, like if I've argued too, like the shit, like 
here's how I phrase it. And I'm not, I don't want to bag on anything. Like it's all great for everything has a purpose. I'll say that big box gyms, Pelotons, all that stuff. If it was me and you said, Jeremy, would you buy a Peloton? I personally wouldn't. I go, you could have dropped 800 bucks on an assault bike. If you really want to kill yourself, Mm -hmm. try riding that shit for an hour. Or like you said, grab some dumbbells and some kettlebells and you can crush it forever and just move your body through space. I think that's a way more efficient option. Right. Yet that, that doesn't get the same market share, the same play. If you ever, if you ever ask people who, we, we know a number of people who are about Pelotons who, who really enjoy it. And what's interesting though, really smart people and people, some of the time, who like I know don't have a ton of disposable income. I mean, they're fine, but they certainly don't have enough disposable income to legitimately afford a $4,000 bike when you could easily buy a $500 bike. Yes. And so... That does the exact same thing, right? And so, have you ever asked them why they bought it and had a conversation about that? Nobody can give you an answer. Does this make sense to me? Even people who work in fitness. People who work in fitness that know. Like we, uh, we have a good friend here who uh, they, they bought a Peloton for their house and he watches football every Sunday for four or five hours. And he's like, well, instead of sitting on the couch, I'm just going to you know, pedal on my Peloton for four hours, which is great. Yeah. Right? So he pedals on his Peloton, he, he watches football for four hours. I mean, I don't know if I'd pedal for four hours, but anyway, that's, that's what he does. <laughs> Seems excessive. But like smart in the fitness industry for like, like really deep in the industry for his entire career. And, and like, why did you buy a Peloton? If you wanted to pedal on a bike and watch football, why would you buy a Peloton? Nobody can give you an answer. Because the answer is, it's a deep emotional comparison thing. You, you, there's this brand name that makes you desire it. You desire it because you, you want to be a part of this club and, and say that you have it. I mean, that's, that's the answer. That's marketing. And um, that has a shelf life, as, as we've seen, right, with Peloton you know, just what did they halt production a couple well, of days ago? Well, so. yeah, because I had BJ Gadur here like a month ago, and oh, I love that guy. Yeah, so does he live down here? Uh, Palm Springs. I don't know where that is. Uh, like four California, four hours. Oh, okay. four hours. Yeah. Uh, so we came on, and uh, BJ speaks very freely uh, with everything. Right. Uh, and he's just like, I don't fucking get it, dude. It's <laughs> it's a bike. And he was saying, he's like, you just wait and watch this. And so him and David Jack and I all went out to dinner that night. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you watch the stuff, just eat shit. And actually last night sent him an article that I read, the same one you're referring to, where they're halting production. Mm-hmm. They're laying off the sales staff. Oh, they're laying off the sales staff? Oh, yeah. Sure. Um, okay. Because they're seeing the demand, like dwindle. Because they have a new product out too. Or I think they're well, trending. their treadmill was a shit show from day one. Is that their it? Treadmill, they, they did a recall on it. Um, and then they, and then every, I I don't want to get myself in trouble here. Um, but there was something like they said, you can't use the treadmill unless you buy a subscription because there was some safety issue with it, using it as a regular treadmill. So now you bought like whatever treadmill is like $3,000, dollars $3, $4,000 for this treadmill. Plus and the membership. you couldn't even use it as a treadmill unless you paid for the membership. <laughs> there, was some, there was some shit like that too. I, I Don't quote me on that, but there was something like that. There was a recall on him. Like it was just a shit show from day one. But they bought pre-core, so their equipment should be good. But I just don't see how the demand in perpetuity keeps no, of going course not. up for that. Of course not. I think it's like peaked, if I had to guess, Yeah. for what it is. 
it's just a strange thing that that's we gravitate towards these gimmicks and the gadgets at the end of the day it's the basic stuff that's always worked like what about a, what about stuff like tonal tonal's got holy shit tonal's got money that they're throwing everywhere man the amount of people tonal is sponsoring the amount of money they're throwing at everybody right now yeah um i'll say this on here i think i shared it before i don't know they sent me probably like you know when they have people they're trying to bring people on to run their products or program or whatever it was okay uh probably 10 different emails phone calls whatever mm -hmm. And I would just reply like, and I'm an asshole sometimes. What what were they what were they asking you to do? They asking you to be a spokesperson. For yeah. Okay. And I'm like, I need five million bucks. Okay. And that's what I wrote. And mm -hmm. the lady was like, thought I was joking. And mm -hmm. I'm like, no, that's what I need. What were they offering you? Um, not five million bucks. Not five million bucks. No. And then she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, well, I don't want to be an asshole. I go, but first of all, and this is not a knock against me. If you guys like it, use it. Be active. I'm happy for you. Uh, super fit people don't do that shit. Yeah. And I'm a super fit person. Uh, that's not how I built this body. That's not how I'm going to maintain it. That has nothing to do. I have no interest in hooking up a mirror in my fucking house and grabbing some cords. That's not what I want to do. Mm -hmm. And it devalues everything that I do because right. I coach the opposite of that. I go, so for me to sign on for you, I go, basically anything I'm selling is shit then. Like right. I'm, I'm, for me to sign up with you is career suicide. Yes. So you've got to give me enough money where I can just, just out. fuck off and go away yeah. so <laughs> And I go, and for me right now, it's probably five million bucks. I could probably say, fuck it, dude. We still right. do a podcast, whatever else. That's funny. Um, I just don't. So, so, so what you're saying is that if I, if this podcast begins being sponsored by Tonal, um, you guys know, you guys, you guys know where the money, know what, you know where the money came happened. in. And again, if people like it, I'm happy for you. It's just like, that's not my personality type. It's not who I am. That's not what I believe in. Yeah. I wouldn't do that personally. I'm not going to sit in my living room with a mirror and pretend like I'm getting a good workout. That's not it for me. Like I need to drop some weights and move my ass around. I go, that's what athletes do. Right. And you can pay LeBron or whoever else to do it, and that's super cool. But I'm like, don't get confused. He didn't become that because of that thing. Yeah. That's just a money tactic. And that, that's what I'm not a fan of. Yeah. And then people do get confused. Well, I need to buy this whatever a tonal. I don't even know what it costs. Probably five grand, six Couldn't grand, tell you. something crazy. Couldn't tell you. Where you could literally build the dopest home gym of all time for right. $5,000. Right. And have everything you'll ever need. More stuff than you'll ever need. But it's crazy. I don't know how you, I don't know how you fix that. I don't think well, you do. I mean, I think it's expanding the market. I don't think it's accessing an, the same people. I think it's accessing a new breed of people. I look at it kind of as a pie chart. Like the fitness industry just keeps, just keeps accessing different types of people, right? Like the type of pe the type of person who's going to have an aura ring, is the type of person who's going to have an Apple Watch, is the type of person who's going to fucking buy a tonal and buy a peloton like it's it's the the there is a certain archetype that's interested in the quantified self-movement and the early adoption technology curve type stuff and it's just different shit is different different people are different different people are interested in different things and that's fine um i don't think it's replacing anything but what i what i do think is interesting is is just the amount of money that's going into the, like real money, man, Tonal's got some money behind him. It's real. Yeah. Holy shit. But to your point, ain't nobody promoting Tonal got that fit because of Tonal. No, we all know it's bullshit and everybody knows it's bullshit. And, and I always make a joke about booty band Betty, who's, you know, my caricature of, of some Instagrammer, not a real person, but, I always make a joke of it. Oh, look, Brian Cron just sent me a text message, probably asking me why, you know, 
That's how I'm doing with my workouts. <laughs> um, but I always make a joke with Booty Band Betty. It's like Booty Band Betty didn't get that booty because she throws a booty band on her legs doing fucking tricep kickbacks. No. She's a Latina from Miami. Like, that's why she has that ass. And been training for <clears throat> 20 years. Maybe, or maybe not. Or maybe just, she got ass implant surgery because yeah. she's a Latina in and Miami. Then, like, and then there's that too. Like, who knows, right? My, but my, I mean, I joke about it, and this is why I, I create these caricatures, Jumpy Jack, Jimmy, Booty Band, Betty, Billy, the IG Fit Kid, because you can't talk about one person individually when you're talking about a problem. You've got to create a caricature around it and bring it to such an extreme that, plays off of it that's like you know of course this is nonsense everybody knows that but how do you make light of that in order to i guess make a point and and just illuminate certain things and what i'm trying to illuminate with a lot of what i'm doing on on my instagram my platforms right now is just like there's more to it like there's more to it like what you see in one short snippet i mean you and i both know these people like that Instagram person who says they're successful is waiting tables on the weekend because they can't make ends meet. Like that model who looks shredded all of the time, who looks amazing all of the time, got into shape once, bought 30 outfits and did a photo shoot and has used those photos for the next year. Like <laughs> that's just how this stuff is. It's uh, well, I try to tell people that and the way I phrase it is I'm like, you wouldn't want to do what I do every day yeah, to live fair. my life. Like you, you wouldn't want to put in the work that I put in and eat the way I eat every single day to look like this 365. I go, it's a rare thing. I go, most of the people you look at on Instagram, they don't look like that most days. They yeah. look like that for a month or a week and they're feeding you some bullshit around. I go, and for you, the juice isn't worth a squeeze to do that. You don't it's even- not worth it. I think that's the, that's the, even if they do, right? even if they do, I still think it would be funny to, to print a shirt that says, wow, you sure don't look like your picture on Instagram. And just, just hand them out at fitness conferences. I still think that'd be really fucking Well, funny. I always you say... get punched in the face. But. <laughs> people get real salty. Well, I've always said, like, it'd be the worst thing in the world if someone came in here and they're like, you know what? You don't look like you look in the videos. You look way smaller. You're not as tall. You're not as big. You're not as whatever. I'm like, I want to present the realest version of what right. it is. Right. And that would bother me. But for most people, they don't give a shit because the internet version of them is more important than the real version. Which maybe because I'm old and I don't give a fuck, like this is my real life. Right. The internet, I can interact with people. I go, but it's not real. Right. Like, and that's the weird thing, where so, there's a disconnect there for sure of what reality is. And no offense to people, to do that as a normal person, to try to be as as fit as like the Instagram avatars and images, it would take way more. It would take away way more from your life than it would give you. Yeah. And that's what most people don't really understand. And do you, do you understand the trade-offs? I mean, I'm, I'm in a, uh, we're about to come out with our software uh, called, called Quick Coach, and it's been an interesting process for me because building software has taught me a lot about downstream effects. Every decision you make, there's downstream effects. Another word for that is trade-offs, but like downstream effects, right? I agree. The, no matter what, like if you choose to spend your time a certain way, there's, there's trade-offs, there's downstream effects for that. And software, uh, the software development project has taught me that. Do you include an in, in it's software for trainers and it's it's 100% free for them. So like, do you include a workout library of videos and stuff like that? Yeah. Just as one example. Seems like a really obvious thing. Of course you do. Everybody likes videos. Well, the problem is when you say yes to that, you're saying yes to um, fitting a whole bunch of stuff in a very neat right angle square. 
and you're forced into all of these downstream effects that makes the user experience for the trainer and for the client much worse. Because if you understand that the use cases, like every single trainer builds workouts different than every other trainer. Yeah. But once that trainer builds workouts a certain way, the workouts usually follow a very similar pattern. No trainer likes how any other trainer does it. That's just, that's just the reality. They all have something a little bit different with it. So nobody's satisfied. And so it's, you know, when you, when you deeply understand these things, the same as you deeply understand, like working with somebody's body and, and helping people change their body. It's like, cool. No, it, you're telling me that you want X, you want Y, you want to look a certain way. Right. Um, well, here's what actually is involved in, in getting, are you willing to do that? Because if you, make these decisions, here's the compromises that you're also going to have to make. You know, I'm sitting at a wedding and, and I'm seated beside a guy who's one of the top bodybuilders in, in Canadian bodybuilding history. Huge guy, jacked guy. All right. We're sitting at a wedding for uh, my old neighbor and I'd never met him before. And uh, and we were chatting and obviously he was a bodybuilder so I was asking him and it's pretty easy to recognize so asking him about it. And and I've never, you know, he, he restricted himself and dieted for a week so that he could eat the food at the wedding. And he allowed himself one dessert. And you should have seen him at the dessert table, like the stress around like which little cupcake or whatever. And then after the wedding, you know what he did at two in the morning? He went to the fucking 24 hour gym. That's gnarly, bro. He's happy. He's been doing this for like 20 years. Yeah. Right? Like this is his life and he's happy with it, which is great, all the power to him. But you can't look at somebody like that and have that without being willing to do what this guy is doing. When it creates this, it's a craziness in people. And if you're not that, to think you'd want to be that is something else. The story, I'll bring this up really quick. Um, we had Ashley Weens in the podcast. She was an IFBB pro. She talked about like eating disorders and all the things. And mm -hmm. her and I were sharing crazy things we did when we were competing. And I did my fair share of, of really dumb shit. Oh, yeah. Um, what's, what's that? Well, well yeah, I guess if you shared stories in the podcast, you know. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like, we would just, you're you're eating food and it doesn't matter anymore. So you're just mm -hmm. like, what's the easiest way I can combine these things just to get them down? Because there's no enjoyment from food. And I'm talking like on stage, shredded glutes, like veins in my ass, like right. I want to kill myself. Right. And I would get to the point where, and I'm broke at the time too, and that's how I'm coming up in fitness. I would take tuna in a can and then dump it in oatmeal and I would just mix it together. And I eat it that way just so I could just bite and swallow it. Sounds like college. Yeah. And so that's how I'd get through the day. And so what she would do, and this is before like my fitness pal, before everything's crazy. Yeah. She would, her coach would say, you can have an, an apple. Okay. You know? And so she would go to the store like Safeway or wherever, except Safeway didn't have big enough apples. So then she would drive to Fry's because Fry's had a bigger apple. Because she only got one. Yep. I and see. it wasn't okay. on grams. It was just on, just an apple. It didn't dictate on size, whatever. So she would drive around to multiple grocery stores to find the biggest apple. So that's what she could have one. for the day. Jesus. Now imagine doing that in your normal life. Yeah. Like how crazy you would have to be to do that. But that's what those levels require the higher up you go. And that's where a normal person is like, you know what? It's probably not worth it for you, dude. Well, now the coach would just 
tell you you get so many grams of apple. So yeah, so it's, it's easier. Relevant, yeah, it's easier for sure. It's easier, but also like well, way worse because <laughs> now she has way way more time over the course of a day because she's not spending it driving to grocery stores, and now she's just thinking about how she wishes she had more apple. Well, in that in that subculture of fitness, I mean, I don't know Ashley, so no, <laughs> this is no, not about Ashley. No, but it's true though. <laughs> like, and I've shared the story in here a million times. Um. But literally uh, backstage with Skip Wood, who's Skip has been competing for like a million years. The dude yeah. looks amazing. And he literally turns to me. We're backstage after like the, the pre-show before the night comes on. There's a person over there who's just working, who takes a bite of an apple. And he looks at me and he's like, can you imagine putting that much sugar in your body at one time? Fuck. And Jesus. he said it to me and I'm sitting there going, God, dude, we're so fucked. <laughs> I'm like we are so out of touch with reality, bro. But that's that's what you're doing. And a lot of people on the outside look at it like, well, if I just work out hard and eat right, I'm like, no, 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 no. There's a lot of things that go into this. And sometimes even what you see, it really isn't real. And that's the hard part of fitness. It's like, where do you, you know, you have to make enough noise for people to notice you and do certain things. I go, but it's just a, it's changed the landscape of a lot of things. I think it's just really important these days to be, uh, to learn the skill of communication. Agree. And, and, and real communication talking like we're talking to another human. I mean, I wanted to reconnect with our community because I went through basically two years of trying to go all corporate with my company and doing all these dumb shit ego things that I was trying to do to impress my buddies, you know, grow the business big, hire a bunch of staff, brag to everybody else about how big my team is, pull on VPs from big companies to work for me so I could brag to my buddies about how I got this person, all dumb shit, right? But our company became... Um, it just it just became very corporate. Everything was like, you know, vague niceties, not being afraid, not to uh, offend anybody. We hired. This is how this is how bad it got. We hired four different consultants. We spent three hundred fifty thousand dollars in total to try to figure out how to talk to our audience. You did that. Yeah, these are the last two years. And so why why? why? Of you of all people, stupid. Like, stupid. why are you doing? Like, your message is like, I don't, stupid. I don't watch anything. Of first of all, I don't watch anything on social media. Like nothing and hardly shit. But your stuff, I will see. Yeah, it's stupid. You it's, see it now. Yeah, you didn't see it for the last two years, did you? I probably saw when you started doing. It looks like Twitter screenshots. Yeah, that was that was two months ago, two and a half months ago. Yeah, that was when I fired my entire senior staff. But you do it's so. Basic. That's when that started. And so, what were they? What was the point of that? Like point before that, like you brought them along to try to, I don't even know. It's hard to say. I feel yeah. like I needed to get out of my system. I feel like I needed to, I needed to do what I always thought that you should do to build a big business, hire on an executive or senior level team. And you know, you don't work in your business. People work in your business for you. The reason that you own a business is to get rich. All the shit that, you know, business books say and whatever. And so I, I felt like I needed to get it out of my system to do all that stuff, right? And and now I'm, you know, looking back in it as kind of going through the pain of, of having all that. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'm just going to, like, I don't need a, when I, when I come back in my next life, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a consultant. Because you get paid a whole metric fuck ton of money. And you don't have to do anything. You don't have to impact anything. You don't have to have, you just got to make some nice like PowerPoints or whatever it is. And then you just walk away and take your bag of money and then nothing else has changed. <laughs> it is what it is. And so, I mean, I, I joke at it, but like I'm coming out of this now and just 
I know how to talk to our audience because I'm our audience, you know, I, I, and so I wanted to, where this is coming from is I wanted to reconnect, right? And so I, you know, I, I went through this period where um, we just, we just lost touch, really, as, as all it came down to, we're doing stuff we, we felt like we should do. And I, uh, and I was like, I just need to reconnect with people. And so I put out a call and just said, if you have a podcast, I'd love to talk to you. I don't care if you're brand new. I don't care if you have zero listeners. I don't care if you have 100,000 listeners. It doesn't matter. I just want to talk to you. And I did 70 podcasts in a month and a half. That's crazy, bro. In, uh, in November and December. I did 15 to 20 a week. And um, it was incredible because I reconnected with people. In what other, when else do you have an opportunity to speak to somebody like we're speaking, one-on-one, engaged? Nobody's on their phones. Nobody's anywhere else, right? You're talking one-on-one, looking at somebody in the eye. I mean, when you're training them, it's probably one of the only other times. Really, it's rare. One of the, yet another reason why training people one-on-one is a beautiful thing. Yeah. It's rare. And it was it was bringing back to me this lost art of connection of really just you you you're feeling what people are feeling you're hearing what they're hearing and what that allowed me to do is now go back into my business and be like i i really get these people again you know i really understand what they're thinking i really understand what they're frustrated in and uh the growth has been crazy not because of the views that most of these podcasts were I mean, maybe five listeners, like literally. Oh no, shit! Most of these podcasts were, were, you know, they were, they were, they were our students, they were customers, they were a community. They don't, they don't. A lot of them were brand new. Some of them aren't even launched yet. The point wasn't to get access to the audience. Like, I'm not doing your podcast because I want access to your audience. I'm doing it because me and you met one time at our buddy Dave's old gym. Shout out to Dave Drees. Dave Drees, five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. We basically shook hands and said, what's up, man? I don't even know if we've messaged since then. Maybe a little bit here and there. Yeah. But now here we are talking for, I don't know, an hour, hour and a half. Right? And and we have a much tighter relationship. And I feel like I've also learned more about your side of the industry. What an incredible thing. What a great way to spend an hour. So would you say to, like, if it's like young coaches, is that a mistake like they make is maybe spending time on some of the wrong shit and not actually communicating oh, and talking to people? Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yes. Who cares? I mean, what game are you playing? What game are you playing? You're, 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 you're working, you're worried about, like, putting out Instagram content. Why? Are you trying to be a content creator? Because I'll tell you right now, if you try to be a content creator, you're probably going to do this for two to four years before getting any real return. What I'm doing, like, like whenever you watch anybody that you admire, you have to understand what game they're playing in order to decide whether to emulate them or to you know, take, take the lead from them. Don't watch what I'm doing on Instagram and think that that's what you should do. Because what I'm trying to do is build a large international personal brand. I'm not trying to get customers. I don't expect to get any real return 
for what I'm investing into social media and my platform right now for two to three years. That's the game I'm playing, right? If that's what you want, that's fine. But again, you got to understand the trade-offs of that. If your goal is to get customers, you play a different game. I used an example on a, on a podcast that I did. It was a gym owner business mentorship podcast thing that, uh, that I was a guest on. They were talking about lunch and loans and, and whatever. And, you know, oh, we try to get our people to do lunch and loans and whatever. I was like, yeah, no, that's cool. But, like, I've, I've done that whole thing. Like, nobody wants you there. No. <laughs> like, lunch and loans are no fun. But what are you trying to accomplish? Well, you're trying to get in with local businesses. You're trying to build a local business network. You're trying to get access to basically people in your community who have money if you're trying to get customers. I'm like, how about this? How about you start a pod? This, this, this company was in Sacramento, California. So how about you start a podcast and you call it the best of Sacramento. And you call up the CEOs, secretaries of the CEOs of a lot of the companies in Sacramento. And you say, hello, Mr. Hello, Mrs. So-and-so. My name's John. I run a podcast called the best of Sacramento where I interview and highlight the trailblazers and the leaders of our community pushing the city of Sacramento into the 21st century and, and I'd love to, you know, steal 30 minutes to an hour of your time and interview you and, 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 and showcase you and learn more about, you know, what you're doing. Well, all of a sudden now, you are having one-on-one conversations for longer, more personal than that CEO probably has with his or her spouse True. that month. And all of a sudden now you're building this and then you start introducing the CEOs to one another. Then you start hosting CEO dinners locally and you start build, being the connect. And by the way, you just, you just happen to own a gym that trains affluent people in Sacramento. That's how you do this shit. Makes sense. You don't ever need to post a fucking selfie on Instagram. You know, you're appealing to somebody's perceived social status like sex and status are the two biggest motivators for action so you're appealing to the status of people who could impact your business in a positive way it doesn't have anything to do with fitness but it has everything to do with fitness so is that like one of the biggest mistakes you see like fitness professionals making like in a in a well, they're focusing on the wrong thing i mean what do you well what do you want what do you want at any point in time i think that's the biggest mistake is 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 a keen assessment of what is it that you want to get out of your actions, right? What's your desired output? Is it to get a few more customers? Well, Instagram is a grossly inefficient way to get a few more customers. True. And whether you train online or whether you train clients in person, it doesn't really matter where you're you know, where your money comes from. Like people think that, oh, I'm an online trainer, so I have to train people in another country. 200 bucks is 200 bucks. Who gives a shit whether you get it from somebody a block away from you or Ethiopia? Doesn't matter. And I got news for you. It's going to be way easier for you to get that from somebody a block away from you. So even if you're an online trainer, you shouldn't ever need to train anybody outside of your city. And you're going to have a way easier time connecting and building trust towards people who have loose connections to you than somebody you've never met in another city or country or state or whatever. And so I see people focusing on all this stuff just because we look at social media, just because every time you log in, you see the number of followers, or you see other people who are looking like they're doing really well, or maybe they are, maybe they're not. But you're seeing it in your face, and so it's present. 
And so you feel that it must be important because it's present. But what's present is often not what's most important. So I think it's really important for us to really just take a step back and assess what our desired output is. Do I need to just get a few more clients? Well, shit, is trying to get better at making fucking video reels on Instagram because the algorithm, some social media expert said the algorithm on Instagram says that reels do well, so now I need to learn how to be a video editor. Is that really what you're spending? Do you really need to go watch a tutorial of how to tape an X in the floor to know where to stand to be able to shoot better? You have seven clients, you need 10. Yep. <laughs> like, like that ain't going to do anything, right? But, no. the, but what is, is getting out into your neighborhood, is talking to people, is building connections, is, is getting much better at what you do as opposed to just showcasing it. Well, I said the same thing a lot where people get confused with the internet and like, well, I'm going to, you know, sort of Instagram page or these social media pages, I'm going right. to post stuff and everything's going to crush. I'm like, the problem is you're asking somebody for two or 300 bucks who's never met you, yeah. who's never talked to you and has no relationship with you. Why would, have you ever done that personally? Given right. someone $300 that you have no relationship with. I'm like, we don't do that. I go, but yet we're asking the consumer to do that for us. Such a, such a good insight. Yeah. Yeah. Would you, uh, what, that's a great, I'd never, I've never thought about it that way and I might steal that from you and I'll try to give you credit, but I probably won't, but. Appreciate it. <laughs> if I remember, I'll give you credit. But, <laughs> what, what I, what I tell people is not dissimilar, but yours is better is, you know, if you're creating content, let's say on, on social, we'll say Instagram, but anyway, if you're creating content on social media, if you came across somebody who created the exact same thing as you would you think that that was interesting enough to follow that person? That's a good one. I like that, actually. But, but yours is better because yours is more transactional, which is, I think, what most people are after. Again, if, if your goal is to be a content creator, if your goal is to be an influencer... It's different. Totally different ballgame. Yep. But you got to understand what game you're playing. If my goal... I mean, I, I talk about wealth management. I talk about investing. Like... Like, my goal is to be a long-term value investor, right? I can afford to miss out on spikes. I can afford to miss out on really quick hit, like, you know, NFTs flipping or whatever it is. I can't afford to lose everything, so I've made that decision. So I know what game I'm playing, which allows me to ignore day traders of digital art, you know? 100%. I, I can ignore that. It doesn't mean that I think that that's stupid. It doesn't mean I think that that's bad. It doesn't mean that I think that the pop the people doing these things are stupid. Just not your game. It's not my game. And so it, it works the same way kind of with Instagram. What game are you playing? And um, and I like, I like yours because it's transactional. Like, why do people buy things? Why do you buy things? Why do you go see movies? Is it because you saw an advertisement sometime from somebody you've never met? No. I buy people. Like, yeah. that's everything I do. Somebody says this person or this thing, or you see something all of the time over and over and over and over again from people you trust or um, in places that you perhaps trust. And uh, and then it becomes time where you need that service and they're the person that you think of. Well, that's where, from the outside, the younger kids who come to us or see our stuff, they're like, oh, man, you crushed it on the internet, whatever they'll say. These weird 
terms these young kids use these days. What are those? What are, what, you know, like what, what are these youngins saying? <laughs> you know, like, How old are you? Uh, thirty-eight. Oh, yeah, you old. So the other, yeah, no. The other day, some guy was like, um, "We're setting up for these Sunday workouts we do with our people. It's the only day I actually train with them. Then the workouts are fucking terrible." And uh, we're setting out stuff outside here in the alley. Some guy rides his bike by. He's like, "Jeremy Scott, you're the goat, bro. I follow you on Instagram." I'm like, "Oh, thanks, dude." Uh, now I feel old as shit. Appreciate it. And but I'm like, I don't. Obviously, I don't know that guy. And we didn't start this out to do that though. Like we, you I, don't know who he was. He never. Like that's that to me is messed up in and of itself. Like, like, bro, have a conversation with me. Yeah. Get off your bike. Or you're in the neighborhood. Come by the gym, dude. Like, why? We do fitness here. Right. Like, it's weird. Like, why is that? How is that acceptable? It's a strange. <laughs> well, that's what I would tell people. I'm like, we, we, it, the the numbers end up whatever they are on social because that's how it ended up. Like, we didn't start this out to say, hey, we're trying to build the biggest following possible. We're trying to answer questions that people ask us and give them valuable things they can use. That's yeah. really how it started. Mm-hmm. And then it just kept rolling from there. We didn't set it on the goal for there. So if someone comes in and says, well, I want to crush it on social, the thing I say to them is similar to you. I'm like, well, just post awesome shit every day for like 10 years, dude. I would just, I would ask them why first. Like, why do you want to do it? And say, why? Oh, I want to get clients. Okay. Um, my my favorite example of this is somebody in one of our groups. We've got a couple of Facebook groups of trainers, right? And uh, and there's you know it's like thirty eight, thirty nine thousand people in in one of them. So somebody cuts in. He's like, hey, you know, does anybody have a good recommendation for an Instagram ad specialist? And uh, and so I just I just I was like, oh, you know, like who is this guy? Like maybe he's sophisticated, like maybe, you know, could be, could be something good to know, right? Cause I'm always, I'm always trying to be talented. I'm always just trying to get to know good people in the industry. For sure. And, um, you know, it's not a transactional thing. I just want to know good people in the industry. So, so I, I, I looked into his, um, I looked into his thing. I was like, this guy has 600,000 followers. So I messaged him. I said, Hey, you know, like what I, I just, I responded and I said, Oh, like, what are you, what are you looking for an Instagram ad specialist? Like, Oh, you know what? conversions really aren't working that well and um you know i just feel like i feel like we really need ads to 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 grow the account you know i feel like we've i feel like we've taken all the you know all the all the customers out of the out of the account and i was like oh cool like your business must be massive dude he's making like 60 grand a year no shit it's like what are you like you got so many things to think about before you start putting ad spend in there that's crazy dude and it's you know I think I think wow. a lot of his following was perhaps fake. I think there was some of that, but he did have a fair amount of interaction. It was all around memes and and whatnot. You know, it was it was largely in personal stuff where nobody cares about you. But he could easily start to build content that is much more personal. For sure. Start doing a lot more Q and A. Start showing his face more. That type of thing. And then just like, well, what are you, what are you actually delivering? Do people know about it? How are you communicating that, right? Versus just numbers. It was just, it was so, I just took, I was like, what are you, what are we focusing on here? I couldn't believe that. That is crazy to me that that becomes a focus and that's that big and you're struggling that much. But I think and your first thought, your knee-jerk reaction is, I need to spend money on ads to increase this because I've already taken out all of the potential customers out of here. The guy had 37 customers. 600. What's the... I'm going to tell you the conversion rate on that. That's nuts, bro. <laughs> I'm going to... 37 divided by 600. 
thousand. His conversion rate was zero point zero 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 six percent. That's not good. That's not a good convert for anybody who is. Uh, you might not know a lot about internet marketing, but it's uh, not That's a good not conversion good. rate. Well, it's crazy because like we don't. I don't run ads. I've yeah. never ran ads. We're running. We're running zero dollars with ads right now. We don't do that. I go we, but I do. I'll say this to people out there. If you do amass a following that is bigger than your circle and it gets into the hundreds of thousands, if you're willing to communicate and spend like an hour a day mm -hmm. talking to people, I'm like, it will pay off for you. 100%. For sure. Yeah. But that's like me posting a video doesn't make the money. But when people DM me and I check my phone later today and I have like 250 messages and I reply to them, that's what it is. Yeah. Because now it's a personal connection there. Yeah. That's why, because they listen to me talk on this podcast for 800 hours and watch 48 videos and read 200 emails. Right. Then they'll buy something. But that's not the goal. I'm not trying to get them to buy something right away. I'm just trying to help them. And if we present them something that they want to pick up, then cool. Yeah. If not, enjoy the free shit, dude. Right. That's it. Well, and also, I mean, optimizing ad spend. Like, I'm going to be starting using ads um, again in, in a week or so. And it's just pure retargeting. I mean, I, I'm not sending cold traffic to people who have never heard of me. I'm attracting hundreds of thousands of people a week through my website, through our social media accounts and stuff like that around, you know, me and my messages and around our philosophies. Yeah. We're retargeting them, making sure that they know about our products and services. But but it's definitely not cold traffic. I mean, the, uh, the, the there's a company that I was talking to uh, who we, we were just talking like numbers and stuff like that. And they're, they're a big company in our space. And an education company, so like professional education, not uh, not consumer focused, trainer focused, costs them sixty dollars a lead right now. Sixty dollars a lead. These companies that are largely private equity or venture capital investment backed, that are just you know paid ad spends, they're they're, they're big faceless, brandless organizations um, that focus all of their efforts on the next sale and basically pumping in ads and conversion optimization. Give it five years, they're done. That's crazy, dude. They're done. You can't compete. You have a personal brand at the front that's attracting hundreds of thousands or millions of eyeballs. Finish. That's why I'm focusing on... I mean, I'm taking... I'm 36 years old, so I'm young compared to you. Yes. But, spring, but I'm taking... Spring chicken. I'm taking, I'm taking the next year of my life. Right. The stage I'm at in my career. I'm taking the next year of my life. And I'm saying, I don't care if I make a single sale for the next year. 100% all in on personal brand, on building that. I built a media team behind me that's starting to get going, right? A John Goodman branding personal media team. We've got basically a multi-step plan, you know, as, as, as we go. And I'm kind of in like entering in phase two right now. And the reason for that is I don't know what I'm going to do in the future. But I know that whatever businesses, whatever anything that I have... If the Jonathan Goodman brand is huge, I have a massive competitive advantage over the entire playing field. 100%. And, and nobody could ever match that. And so, again, what comes first? I mean, you can build, I honestly think these days, you can build a 65 to 80% profitable company on, online, you know, without brick and mortar stuff. For sure. And uh, because you don't, I mean, the smart businesses are not spending Money's on money on lead acquisition. They might be spending some money on conversion, but not on lead acquisition anymore. 
Well, I always say to in the what so what's the goal? I'll talk to you in just a second. Like what is the goal though? So you're gonna build the personal brand just so you have the equity in that so you can kinda choose to do whatever the fuck you want moving forward. Yeah, I mean I wanna write I wanna continue writing books. We've we've got the software coming out that's really exciting. The software's looking fucking phenomenal. Um and uh, and it's free software. So it's hundred percent free. And and um uh, you know, it's sort of my gift to the industry, but at the same time, won't include payment processing in it and stuff like that. And I don't know what it's going to turn into. But I know that if you've got a software platform that has tens of thousands of active users, it ain't going to be hard to figure out how to get somebody to give you a ton of money for it. For sure. If that time comes. And uh, and so, you know, there's there's that play. And so how do you build a massive software platform and, and pay for it, but also feed it with with users, even if it's free, well, you either need a ton of money from investment for lead acquisition, customer acquisition, well, not customers, but, but user acquisition, or you need a compelling personal brand at the front who's, who's going to feed it. Um, we do have a, like a, like a high-end business mentorship that we keep very, very small, but again, People ask us to join. We don't, you know, you have all these business mentors who are firing out ads and everything like that. Yeah, you're not proactively trying to get people. People asking us to join. It's, it's so, so there's that. And then um, I want to continue to write books. You know, I've got, I've got a fiction book that's kind of just like a really fun uh, parable play on the fitness industry. All of these ridiculous characters. Like I've got that on the go. Like I just want to play, you know, and, and have a platform to be able to, Kind of connect and communicate. And yeah, it's fun. Like I'm, you know, I'm at a point where I never thought that I'd be at. Where like I'm good. The fitness industry is giving me everything. Like I don't need anything else. Well, I yeah. say too with the personal brand stuff. Uh, I joke to people. I'm like I just was a young idiot, so I didn't know what to call it. So I called it my name. Yeah. Um, it's not stupid. Which <laughs> ended up being like you know, people always want me to be around. They always want to see me, which is probably the, the curse of it. I go, mm-hmm. but the best part is it's affording me opportunities that I never would have got before right. with every major sponsorship, every major company, and just what I do. If I was like, fuck it, I don't want to do this anymore. I just want to kind of hang out, do my thing, and maybe coach a couple of days a week somewhere else. Any one of my friends, anywhere. It's mm-hmm. easy to do. Jeremy shows up. He knows the shit. It's fun. But that only comes from you building the stake in you. Right. And people know you. Right. And that's what we buy at the end of the day. At the end of the day, I mean, I own a Tesla. Why do I own a Tesla? Did I ever respond to an advertisement from Tesla Motors? No. Did I know anything about the car when I bought it? Fucking nothing. No. Nothing. I didn't even know what it looked like. I saw Elon Musk's stupid face every single day for years. That's what made me want to buy one of those things. Probably not dissimilar from Peloton. Right? You see that brand, everybody you know is starting to get one, and it starts to compound, and then you desire it because you feel like you need to have it to you know, kind of belong. Um, I do like the Tesla a lot, but I didn't know that I would. <laughs> well, it's like so, the, it's like the FOMO people fear missing out on something or yeah. not being part of the circle or the group. Yeah. Um, and so you see it, you see it. I mean, I get that. It, it just, it's, uh, it goes back to what you were saying, you know, why asking people, it, it's so interesting because if you were to ask anybody, it's like, Hey, like, like, Let's take a step back. You know, let's separate ourselves from our phones, from everything that we're doing. Just take a step back, have a conversation. Like, do you really think that what you're doing on Instagram is the best way to to achieve those? Well, yeah, no, I think so. I mean, I'm just frustrated by the algorithm. Okay. Um, 
have you ever bought anything from anybody doing what you're doing? Oh. <laughs> then they're like, what the hell? Yeah. Then they're just like, oh, shit, I never thought about it like that. Well, it's weird because, like, that's the question I ask almost everybody who works with us or is in our space. And mm-hmm. once in a while, like, well, how do you sell hundreds of programs, you know, at a single time or thousands throughout the year? I'm like, well, because we've built equity in who we are. Like, people, they trust me, they believe in me, they like the stuff that we do. It's the same reason, like, I bought coaching. Like, like you know Pat Rigsby. I've mm-hmm. known Pat forever. Oh, cool. Um, I've done masterminds with Pat. I've done, like, programs with Pat. Like, we've... Pat's a good dude. Pat's one of those just, like genuinely you you meet him and you're just like oh you're such a good dude god i hate you and that's like one of those guys and that's why i tell people i'm like well why would i be in a group with him why would i partner with him and do projects i'm like because he's a normal dude like me yeah he lives in louisville kentucky right he drives a normal car yeah he wears normal fucking clothes and he sends out an email every day for like 15 years oh i know it yeah he's been it's insane he's at like 17 18 years now not missing a day hasn't he every fucking day and most of them just good information. Yeah. And then maybe present something in some of them. And some of it's just like, Hey, here's what I've done. Here's what can help you. Yeah. But then you believe in it and you see those. E- and I probably read, I don't know, 500, 600, 700 emails <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> before, before I ever did anything with them, but it works. Right. And I like the dude. He's yeah. just presenting things that align with my belief system. Right. And I think that's what most of us do. Got a daily email for 17 years. It's impressive. That's impressive. Yeah. Sounds like my nightmare. But he goes hard, man. But it works. It's so, amazing. It's, it's amazing, really. If I ask this, um, personal finance stuff, if you want to answer it. Okay. If you didn't, and I say this a lot of times, I didn't grow up with money. We didn't have money. My household, nothing. I moved here. I packed up my car. Dead fucking broke. Had nothing. Didn't know what I was going to do. Just a kid living. I actually live with Dries and our buddy Ryan in a house. Oh, cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was it. Well, I grew up with Dave. Like my whole oh, life, like shit. forever. Okay. Yeah. So she played basketball with him. Yeah. So if you see this photo right here, I have a pink shirt on. Oh yeah. Dave is the far right. Oh, that's cool. This is young right. shirt. Um, but that's how I did it. Like I didn't know what the hell I was doing. Just kind of started off going there. If I, the point I'm driving at is, if I didn't live as cheap as I did yep. for as long as I did, and I got lucky with the timing of buying real estate in America. Okay. Because the world melted down. I bought my first condo. The guy before me paid hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars less than I did for it because oh, wow. I, I bought it when I ate shit. There was nothing. Like, so the housing market crashes. This is the 2008. That's where I buy my stuff. I end up buying my house. I still drive a 2008 Honda Accord to this day. Nice. You know, made millions of dollars, done all these things. I don't give a shit. I didn't own a car for the first six years. Rented a car for the summer. Rented a condo, furnished condo for the summer. Finished. Gave back the keys, left for the winter. I owned a backpack. When I bought my house uh, a year and a half ago in uh, 2019, my wife and I bought our first house. Neither of us owned property before. We bought our first house. I walked in with a backpack, hung up my three shirts, looked around and said, shit, I guess we got to buy a fork. That's gnarly. Well, and that's why I'm driving in. I'm going to ask you this because you and I align similar. You wear basically the same shit all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, as do I, and these are all gifts from BG Gadur's clothing line, so I don't really buy anything. I okay. do the same stuff. My watch is fancier than yours. But it ba- is, it but, is fancier But barely. <laughs> um, if you didn't do that early on, yeah. do you think you could still be in the same spot today? Um, or have made the same decisions? I think it would have taken me longer. 
for sure. I also, I mean, look, man, I'm a, I'm a white cisgendered male from a good family in Toronto. I did graduate with no debt university. Um, yes, I worked, but I also had support from my parents. Holy shit, that's an advantage. 100%. And so I never spent a lot of money. I mean, the family that I grew up in, like, if we went out for dinner once a month, like, I didn't even know that appetizers or drinks or desserts were on the menu. You know, we go out for meals maybe once a month. And if we did, it was like, yo, you're getting a main. And, like, none of the expensive mains. Like, don't even look at that yeah. page. And so, I, I, you know, I never spent a lot of money, but I also could start putting away money earlier versus paying off debt from school and, and, and whatnot. And so... Do I think that I would have been able to do what I did? I think I would have done something. I mean, I'm so unemployable. I, I never, even when I was a personal trainer, I never listened to the manager or anything like that. Like, I did my own thing. I mean, they decreed that everybody had to do the FMS with their clients. And I said, if you make me do the FMS, I'm leaving the gym. I agree. And uh, and, and they didn't, and I stayed at the gym. You know, I was, I was, that, I was that guy. Yeah. And so I was always going to do something for myself for sure i fell into this there's never anything i desire i mean like back in 2008 2009 like working online like selling information online digital nomad like none of this shit existed no it existed but it, it certainly wasn't in the it was a mainstream in the lexicon it wasn't in, yeah so nobody desired it nobody set out to want to do it it just kind of everybody who was in it kind of fell into it and kind of kept going with it and that's what happened with me and so um, I think something would have happened. I had spoken with clients, as I'm sure it's happened to you, clients who wanted to back me or built businesses with me and stuff like that. Yep. Um, you know, I owned, over the course of, the, of, of my career, I've owned a lot of different domains for ideas. Like, I owned um, RateMyTrainer.com, you know, like RateMyDoctor, RateMyTeacher. Oh, yeah. I owned RateMyTrainer.com. I was going to build that with a client who was going to fund it. Yeah, there was always going to be something. I think it would have taken longer. For sure. To answer your question, because I think that I would not have been able to take, feel comfortable taking the risk that I did. I also, because I grew up, I grew up not needing anything. There was always food on the table. There was never, um, yeah, there was never fighting or nervousness or tension around money growing up. And I'm, I mean, I'm just so, I, I'm so fortunate for that and but what i think that's resulted in as now i'm older is i don't feel like i need those types of things in order to prove myself and so i never bought them so even when i started to make money i never bought them same here and now i mean you know I bought a nice car and a nice house but like they're still way underneath the means um and and it was it was a long time so uh, to answer your question I think I, I, I don't know whether it would have worked, whatever I did, but I think I would have kept trying stuff and eventually something would have worked, yes. Yeah. But it would have taken longer. And maybe you couldn't have took the same chances. 100%. So if we shift into that quick, since obviously like, you know, you're older now. and uh, Younger than you. Yes. I mean, I'm an old man. How do your uh, knees feel? They're pretty good. Yeah, good, good. Yeah, I'm still fresh. Good. I do a lot of mobility. Mm, a, lot of foam, a lot of foam rolling. Yeah, smart. Uh, I gotta start doing some of that. Investing money. Uh, I know, ask this if you want to answer or not. Bitcoin. I own a ton of it. You're on the Bitcoin train. 
I am I am very much a Bitcoin uh, uh, maximalist. Yes, I think it solves a lot of problems. I uh, uh, from January to uh, May, uh, no January to March of of this year, I put fifteen uh, percent of my company's cash on reserve into Bitcoin. Um, and um, and yeah, Alice and I. But I'm I mean I don't trade it, right? I I believe in the problem it solves. Um, so you're a holder. I believe in the centralization. I, I very much hold it. I mean, it's it's locked away in safety deposit boxes. Like, if I wanted to sell it right now, I couldn't. I'd have to fly back to Toronto and access multiple safety deposit boxes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I just. But that's I don't I don't care. You know, today it crashed, right? It no, just doesn't matter. Yeah. It just doesn't matter. I mean, it just it's just irrelevant uh, to me what happens day to day. It's just part of your portfolio, basically. It's part of the portfolio. I'm. I'm I'm nervous about what's going to happen in the next decade or two. I, there's Same a lot here. of unrest. There's a lot of uh, the the wealth gap is is really scary. There's a lot of divisiveness. I think something big is going to happen. Um, that's you know going to upend the way that we live in our comfortable society in, in very big ways. I have no idea what it is. I have no idea when it's going to happen. But um, the way that I'm preparing for it is I'm basically just hedging in 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 a couple different asset classes for the long term that don't directly impact one another so i mean stocks for sure of you know sort of more blue chip type companies some yep. tech some gold some that type of thing uh bitcoin and then another cryptocurrency called zenfin which i believe in because i, I really think international trade finance needs to be disrupted and i think that they're the people to do it uh which is which is xdc zenfin and then there's um uh my wife and i own four uh real estate rental real estate properties so there's 11 units that's run by a JV. Um, yeah. And then, you know, the business, which I own 100% of, and, and my reputation, which nobody can ever take away from me. So that's why I feel pretty comfortable. You know, I don't, I'm, I'm not similar to the conversation we've had about like what game you're playing. I can afford to miss out on little stuff and trading and catching spikes and missing dips. I can't afford to get taken out. And so I can afford not to get super rich. I have enough. And so all of my investing, all of my philosophy towards that is just, um, how can I make sure I don't get taken out? Yeah. How can I make sure that my family's going to be looked after, that I'm going to be looked after? Uh, and, you know, I feel like reputation, my own business, Bitcoin stocks, and a couple of real estate properties. You know, do I need 30 real estate properties? No. No. And so is that risk? worth it um yeah that's my philosophy no i'm similar uh same thing if the world went to black like what do i need to survive and how yeah. can i be diversified in it like that's why uh, i remember we did a podcast when we paid off our house and okay it's, it's probably the most crushed i've ever got on uh the internet in terms of comments what do you mean uh how fucking dumb i was people told me because why what'd you do i paid my house off um, oh yeah, that's that's one of those things where it's an emotional decision, and like it's totally understandable and respectable. But like financially, yeah, people are like, "Why would you do that?" You're like, "Cause it fucking feels good." Like, yeah, what so do like you mean? you're such an idiot. You could have took this money a month later. COVID happens, and the world's just like eating shit and in the panic. And I'm like, "Bro, it's not about that." Like yeah. I understand like dollar cost averaging. I understand compound interest. I understand like obviously I can get more here versus what my mortgage was. Mm -hmm. I go, but for me as a person, if I pay it off. And I drop dead tomorrow. My wife has somewhere to live. Right. It doesn't matter. I go, I can sleep at night. I have zero stress. Yeah. The world can eat shit. doesn't affect me. Yeah. I'm cool. But most people can't fundamentally get behind that. Yeah. And I do the same thing where, like, 
I don't go crazy on crypto, but I'm like, I believe in like the Bitcoin story and like what issues it would solve when whatever's going to happen happens. Mm -hmm. But the same thing my advisor told me is like, dude, I don't care if you go buy Bitcoin today or light the money on fire. It's not going to change the game for what you're trying to do because everything is okay. kind of set in place. Yeah. And that's kind of how I approach it too. Yeah. But people ask all the time. So I'm just curious. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm happy to, I'm happy to share it. Right. I'm not going to say, Oh my God, you need Bitcoin. Oh shit. Yeah. No, I, I think it's going to go up in the next month. I don't know. I have no clue. I think, you know, that the, the fundamental network effects are really fucking interesting, but, um, but more than anything else just solves big problems. I mean, we've seen just how valuable money is and, and value is in the last two years like holy crap and so uh, there's going to be changes 100 percent. who knows what it is um but uh but yeah with 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 the house thing it's funny because we kind of did the opposite right we we took out we bought our house um and then just because real estate in toronto was nuts we refinanced it eight months later at a lower interest rate took out a couple hundred thousand dollars and bought three rental properties with it which works too which works fine but then the plan was to basically like originally this is the part that my wife runs but originally the thought was okay we'll like it then in a year we'll refinance those rental properties and do more and we kind of looked at each other this year and we're like we're good like you know we don't we don't need to push this no you're in a good spot yeah i i, I feel like there's this there's this almost like deep down need for people to feel like they're stupid if they're not trying to get stupidly rich. And I just, I just don't think that's true. You know, you, you, you want to be comfortable, but you don't need to maximize every dollar just for the sake of maximizing it. I mean, same thing with fitness, right? That's why I think it's so interesting that the, the psychology is so similar. Yeah. Well, that's Com why I... Compound interest is everything. Go for 50 push-ups a day. Right? 50 push-ups a day is 18,000 push-ups a year. It's insane. <laughs> You're not telling me that's going to make a huge difference? Like, it's that's just, insane. That's why, like, I like the par like the parallels of both. That's why both interest me, because they're both so similar. Yeah. And the way I've gotten fit is the same way I've made money. Yeah. Really no different. It's just, it's respecting compound. It's not jumping on trends. It's just being a little bit more patient, you know, making good decisions, logical decisions, sticking with them through thick and thin. And um, at the end of the day, you're going to do well. I agree. Right. As long as you didn't buy Peloton stock. You're okay. <laughs> <laughs> or just sold it before it ate shit, basically. Uh, last question before I let you go. Yeah. Um, if you had advice to uh, to young coaches out there looking to get into the profession, uh, or maybe they just started in the, for the last like year or two, whether it's they're in person, they're online, like is there a piece of advice you would give them in terms of like their journey? Sure. Um. The, the, the piece of advice that I have been giving mostly lately is something that I've been following myself, which is just do less but better. And it's really hard to do in this day and age, isn't it? There's so many things that we feel like we should do. There's so many things that we see other people doing that I'm like, oh, shit, now that, that's obviously the right way. They look like they're doing more. I have to create content this way. Do wheels. I've got to, I've got to, you know, buy ape jpegs NFTs you know and nfts and stuff because that's how you know i'm missing out if i'm not doing those things and um i think i think the key to success these days is just doing less better taking a step back and saying what am i really trying to accomplish all right what are my execution steps there can i just relentlessly execute on this 
thing. And um, maybe it's not going to be the best, and because there's always going to be spikes. But you've been in this game for a long time, uh, uh, you know, about as long as me. It sounds like we started the same year, even though I was still in college. And what I've seen, I mean, I've been in the online fitness industry now for 10 years. I'm effectively a great-grandfather. I've seen three generations now of people come and go. I've helped people who have helped people who have helped people get started. This thing turns over so fast. I've seen so many people come and go. They all become real estate agents when they leave. True, true. And what what inevitably happens is somebody jumps on a trend, they have some sort of success. They do Periscope. They do I remember Periscope. Clubhouse. Clubhouse. They do whatever. They start jumping into Facebook Lives when Facebook's doing their Instagram Reels now that they're big or whatever the shit is today, right? Yeah. And they do really, really well. And then they try to replicate that because now Facebook is not making its lives, you know, really popular anymore. So then they try to jump on that. And they just get so blown out and so exhausted. And they never actually got good at anything. And they never actually built anything that mattered. And you can't keep up that charade for very long. No. And it just becomes so exhausting that you go and become a real estate agent. I got nothing against real estate agents. But I want to see a lot more people stay in fitness making an impact. Amen. And so do less, but do it better. I like that. And just have a North Star. Yeah. And just keep working towards that. Yeah, man. I dig it, bro. I'm about to pee my pants. Yeah, I'm about the same. Good thing you got two bathrooms. I know. Uh, where can these guys... Uh, this is awesome, dude. This is a lot of good shit. We could talk for like 10 hours, man. Yeah. You, you had a lot of good stuff to say. What's, um, where can these guys find you at? The best place right now is Instagram. It's at It's Coach Goodman. I'll link all the stuff uh, in yeah. the show notes, it's, too. It's Coach Goodman. I-T-S Coach Goodman. Um, but if you search Jonathan Goodman, you'll probably find me. Um, yeah. Instagram's the best. I mean, I got other stuff, but that's 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 the best spot right now. I'll put all the stuff in the show notes for you guys. You can find him. Um, he does put out a lot of good stuff, and I don't say that about a lot of people. Um, it's helpful to you, especially if you're like on a fitness, even if you're just a fitness person in general. Just some of the stuff you say echoes. It's th- it's just the truth. There's not opinions. It's like eat real food, move your body, be active. Yeah, kind of right. Yeah. You're in this for life. Yeah. I mean, what you do on January twenty first. 2021 you know you're not five years from now you're not gonna look back and say oh shit i phoned in that workout what's gonna matter is that you showed up 100 percent. so that's an instagram tweet for you you know i'll use it tomorrow maybe i'll give you credit for a member <laughs> go for it um thanks bro i appreciate this, this yeah, is buddy. good shit dude um so you guys just feel free to stalk him i'll put all the stuff in the show notes as well as all the sponsor links if you guys got questions or anything obviously hit us up if you guys are on uh apple podcast drop out a five star leave a comment we would truly appreciate it um, same thing for Spotify now because you can drop him on there and then uh, give John a follow he's a good dude and uh, I think you get a lot of value out of his stuff so I appreciate it brother appreciate um, you buddy thank you, you guys until next time eat well train hard be nice to people and please you guys keep doing shit you love with people you enjoy because your life is too short not to I'll talk to you soon peace <laughs>